This is the Four Quarters Podcast, your home court for college hoops and recruiting. Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of the Four Quarters Podcast. I'm Adam Zagoria from zagsblog.com and SMY. As always, joined by my main man and running buddy, Josh Newman. Joshy, we're getting into football season here pretty soon, but we got a lot of hoops to talk about today. How are you feeling today? I'm good, man. I'm good. Summer is uh, definitely in its dying days. Uh, college football is 10 days away, and before you know it, we're going to be back into college hoops anyway. That is right. All right, a quick programming note to listen to all of SNY.TV's original podcasts covering the Mets, Jets, Knicks, Rangers, Islanders, and college basketball and recruiting. Just subscribe to the SMY.TV audio network on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's the SMY.TV audio network. Please rate and review our channel. And for the football fans out there, this week be sure to check out an all-new episode of the Jets blog podcast and the premiere episode of the brand-new Giants Goal Line podcast. Uh, Josh and I today in the four quarters have a big show. We have Texas head coach Shaka Smart. Then we have new Finley prep head coach Paul Washington in the first two quarters, and then the third and fourth quarter, we'll talk a little Elite 24 and some Team USA and NBA. So let's kick it off in the first quarter with Texas head coach Shaka Smart. Coach, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's great having you, Shaka. Um, you know, you've had a very busy and successful summer. Um, I know I know. I saw you at the Peach Jam, and you were at some other events in July, and then you went right away to coach the under-18 team where you led them to a gold medal in Chile. Um, just talk about what was the experience of coaching that team and, and winning a gold medal. What was that like? It was a terrific experience. Loved working with such a great group of guys and obviously a super talented collection of players. And then got a chance to work side-by-side with Mark Turgeon and Kevin Ollie, who are two of the best coaches in the game. And uh, obviously going on the trip down there, we had a goal of, of winning the gold medal. And our guys did a great job of coming together and working hard and bringing it home. Coach, you know, a lot's been made through the years with Coach K, who obviously just won another gold medal at the Olympics. But just in terms of him potentially having a recruiting advantage with his access to Team USA and everything, you know, do you feel this helps you at all on the recruiting front, being able to be a Team USA coach? Well, I don't think it hurts you. Uh, I think it's <clears throat> really situational. So uh, there may be certain situations where uh, you're benefited through being able to spend extra time. Um, but there, there's other situations actually uh, where, where you're, you're not benefited because you're away from, you know, other kids that are playing on the circuit. Or, you know, one thing that's not really talked about is when certain guys get cut or don't make the team. Right, uh, right. There's, <laughs> there's certainly, yeah. uh, you know, there, there's, some, there's some explanation to do there. So, uh, you know, I work for Billy Donovan, and he, I was with him two straight summers with USA Basketball, and he, he always felt like, you know, it, it actually was a, was a disadvantage because, uh, you know, you were kind of getting exposed a little bit, and if you coach the guys hard, they might not really like it. But uh, I certainly can see it both ways. Shaka, when you look at a guy uh, like Markel Fultz, obviously there's a lot of hype surrounding this kid. Uh, he played very well for you guys down uh, in Chile. He had, he had a strong showing when Washington went down to Australia earlier this month. Uh, how good, Shaka, is Markel Fultz? Well, I don't have the same frame of reference as, say, you know, an NBA scout would, but uh, just based on what I saw and, and my experience being around him, 
I don't see any reason why he, he shouldn't be in the running to be the number one pick next year. Uh, he can do everything. He's got great size for a guard. He's a terrific athlete. He's got a, a great body that's, that's only getting better and better. And he's a humble kid who wants to work, wants to be part of a team, doesn't mind you know, getting coached and being held accountable. So when you add all those things up, he's a, he's a dream. I'm, I'm happy for Lorenzo that he's going to get to coach him. You, you got to coach two of your own players down there uh, in James Banks uh, and Jared Allen. Um, how much does it help them, you know, being able to play together early and also being able to play for you early before you guys, you know, all, all go into your season down in Texas? It was good from the standpoint of spending time, and we were able to be around each other quite a bit on the court, but also off the court. You know, when you go on those trips, you're, you're really you're together all the time in the hotel, on the bus, uh, in practice, in games, in the locker room. So it just it allowed us, to, I think, to accelerate uh, our relationship, which is so important with new guys, uh, and super excited about both those guys. Obviously, one thing you know across the landscape that gets talked about every summer is you know people blaming AAU for bad fundamentals. But at the same time, a lot of the kids that this country produces are going you know on to winning you know FIBA gold at you know the U17 level, the U18 level. We're curious, where do you kind of stand on on this notion that AAU is to blame for bad fundamentals? I don't think AAU is to blame. Uh, for bad fundamentals, and, and I think there's a lot of kids with really good fundamentals. Uh, again, it's very, very situational. Uh, I, you know, every country looks at it differently. You know, it's interesting. I, they asked me to speak at a clinic uh, down there in Chile, and before I was speaking, before I went up to speak, there was a guy before me that was basically killing our way in America of coaching basketball. <laughs> and I understand enough Spanish to, to, to know kind of what he was saying. <laughs> especially in a basketball context. But, you know, everybody goes about it differently. I think there's a cultural component as well, you know, from country to country. And that, that certainly shouldn't be, uh, you know, downplayed. I, you know, again, I think the more guys can work on their game and work on the things that go into winning, both from a skill standpoint and from an approach standpoint, the more successful they're going to be when they get to college. Shock, it's Adam again. I'm wondering, just coming off the Team USA winning the gold medal, you know, do you have any sort of um, different appreciation for Coach K and what that team accomplished after, you know, your own experience? And, you know, just overall, how do you think they performed, especially since there was a lot of talk that they didn't have LeBron and Steph Curry and some of those guys? Well, obviously, completely different level. You know, I've only done it, uh, you know, as an assistant and, and, and the head coach at the 18 and under and 19 and under level. But I will say this, uh, it's never as easy as it might look from the outside. And, you know, people might say, hey, they have the best players and they should win. And uh, I tell you what, watching the Olympics, watching those teams, uh, Australia and Serbia, and some of the, the stuff that those guys were running and how hard they were cutting, how challenging they were to guard, and the fact that they have high-level pros on their team, whether it's NBA players or guys that, you know, make a million dollars or more overseas. Uh, it's not easy. And the other thing to understand is all those teams, whether it's the Olympic teams or the teams that we were competing against, they're for the most part together much longer than we are. Right, so right. they have more of an understanding of what the coach wants. Uh, they've repped out their plays more. Uh, there's more chemistry 
than than maybe our teams have just because of the, the dynamic of time. So, you know, Coach K deserves a ton of credit for the way, obviously, over the years he's been able to bring those groups together and get them to commit to a common cause. Yeah, it'll be interesting going forward. Obviously, Coach K stepping down now. Greg Popovich takes over, and you know some of the guys you coached on the U18 team moving forward through the system. One would expect will you know could make it onto the national team, and you know for 2020 or 2024. No question. Yeah, I, I can tell you one that I think will for sure, and that's Markel Fultz. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, but it, it's you know I think one of the neat things for these guys is getting involved with USA basketball early. Uh, because USA Basketball does a great job of, of trying to explain the connection between when you're part of a youth team and then you know when you're when you're part of a team you know when you're in college or going into college, and then obviously the select team and the national team and the connection between all those. All right, Shaka, we appreciate a few minutes of your time. Congratulations again on the gold medal and uh, good luck to the Longhorns this season. You got it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Josh, interesting stuff there from Shaka about some of the. I guess, advantages and disadvantages of being a Team USA coach. You know, he admitted that there were some benefits, but also pointed out there could be some, you know, disadvantages in terms of you have to cut certain kids and you're also missing out on recruiting for part of the summer. I think it's fair to say that the advantages far outweigh the disadvantages. And you and I, you know, forever, you know, we've talked ad nauseum about how this is a recruiting advantage. But, you know, Shaka Smart, who's generally the smartest guy in the room, brought up some good points about why it's a disadvantage. That's very interesting what he said. Yeah, certainly. Uh, we're going to move on now to the second quarter, and the new coach at Finley Prep is Paul Washington. Coach, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I'm happy to be here. Hey, thanks for giving us a few minutes, Coach. Um, so first of all, congratulations on the new job. I know your son, PJ, is at Finley Prep. Um, I think, you know, I was a little surprised. I'm sure some people are a little surprised to find out that um, you are, got the new job. Can you just talk a little bit about how you came to get this position? Well, obviously there was an opening, um, and you know I applied for it. I've been out here for <clears throat> almost two years, and uh, you know when before I came out here, I was coaching back in Frisco uh, in the school system there. So I've coached PJ and my younger son Spencer uh, before as well. Uh, I had a AAU program that won multiple. Uh, ninth grade national championships and some runner-up before. So I've been doing this for probably about 10 or 15 years now. So a lot of people on the circuit know me as Coach Washington. Um, I just hadn't been in a, in a high school prep situation in a while. So this is this is a big step for me. I'm pretty excited to, to be able to lead these young men. Yeah, that's great. And for the folks who don't know out there, the Andy Johnson, who was the Finley Prep coach, uh, followed Todd Simon into the college ranks. So he'll be an assistant coach. Todd was the Finley prep coach before Andy, and he's now a college head coach. Um, you know, you've had a big summer, Paul, a lot of travel. I know I saw you in the airport at uh, uh, coming back from the Peach Jam, and then you went to Chile with the under-8 team with your family, with PJ, and then you were in the Bahamas with the Nike team. Um, you know, how has the summer been with the travel, and specifically how was that uh, Bahamas game with the, with the Bahamian national team? Well, <clears throat> when you have a son that's uh... – that's fortunate enough to travel as much as he did. I mean, he literally left home on July on July 5th, and he didn't come back to like August 3rd or 4th. And that's from going to the Peach Jam and then going to Houston for the USA Trials and going to Chile, and then coming back, going out to L.A. for the Nike and Adidas. So 
Um, and me and my wife tried to get to most of it. I mean, I also went to Peach Jam with the Chili, uh, and I went out to Long Beach and then uh, just came back from the Bahamas. So if you take a span of two months in a in an elite summer program like that, um, it, it takes a lot from you. So, you know, I'm excited that we have the opportunity to do that, but uh, that is a lot of travel, a lot of travel by far. You know, Paul, a lot's been made, you know, not only this year, but also last year about the fact that in the middle of Under Armour having uh, the Elite 24, that Nike was putting together a 12-man roster and going to the Bahamas for a few days. Um, again, you know, you and your son and your family were down in the Bahamas. Did PJ and maybe some of the guys down there, did any of them maybe wish that they had played at Elite 24, playing in New York, playing in front of all the scouts, et cetera? That's a great question. I think uh, when you ask a 17-year-old or 18-year-old kid, what do they want to do? And, and obviously, they want to do it all. You know, they want to do Elite 24. They want to do Adidas Nation. They want to do the Bahamas. Uh, but the business side of it dictates a little bit more than what the kid. You know, you, you can't do all of it. So they right. they strategically put it on the same on the same day for a reason. You know, so then you talk about loyalty and and the brand and you know what has he done for the kid? What is the kid doing for the brand? So it kind of gets kind of mumble jumbled in there a little bit. I think the parents have to step in. At least that's what my, my wife and I did. And and just looked at the benefits of, of, of which one. I mean, we had literally looked at, we he hadn't paid, played on the Elite 24. I think he did maybe two years ago for one session with Mo Will. So really didn't have a connection with, with Under Armour from that standpoint. Uh, he's been a, a Nike kid, EYBL, for three straight summers on 17U with Team Penny. So I felt like our allegiance, you know, something that, it was rewarding for us to do is to, is to follow Nike and continue in that path. So um, that was more of a grown-up decision that I made for my kid. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, Elite 24 is obviously a good event, ESPN, under the lights at night. Um, you know, in the Bahamas is, is also a great event. I mean, we've been to Brooklyn already this year. Actually, being with Finley Prep, we were there a week prior uh, at Dick's National. So we've been in New right. York a couple times for us. So that really wasn't a – a big deal for you know for PJ to, to let him do that that particular that particular one, but uh, but yeah, there's a lot that goes into. I don't know if it's a right or wrong, but uh, I think you have to kind of keep going to the prom with the people you've been going to high school with. You know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> we um <laughs> we did want to touch on PJ's recruitment real quick. Uh, you know, we know that he's down to eight schools. Are there any visits set yet, Paul? You know, what with the with the whirlwind of coming back from the Bahamas, and I just explained to you what his July looked like. Uh, coaches hit me up every day and want to secure uh, spots, you know. Um, with, with me starting this new job and, and my, my previous job, uh, it's, it's really wait, they're waiting on me to, to figure out when, when we can get out and do that kind of stuff. Um, I'm just now <laughs> unpacking my suitcase from all these different ones. I'm not really <laughs> interested in packing it back up. You know, you guys do this for a living, I don't. So um, I, I just tell them to be patient with us. We really – I'm going to try to get one or two in uh, before – you know, in September, October range, uh, if not three. Um, but uh, the four that we know for sure will be Kentucky, Texas, uh, North Carolina, and Arizona. And we leave that fifth one open strategically just to figure out, you know, the landslide to see if, you know, who's going where and, and, and doing what. But uh, that's our goal for right now is get those four out the way, maybe two to three of them before uh, November. Because once the season starts, it's going to be tough to, tough to get them in by then. Hey, Paul, it's Adam again. Um, I know there's been some chatter on the Internet, and you and I texted a little bit about it, about the possibility of a package with your son and John Petty. You know, these package deals, kids talk about them every summer. They very rarely 
come to fruition, but I know kids like to talk about it. It looks like Kansas and Kentucky are the only schools they have in common. You know, can you shed any more light on how likely this might be or how often they talk about it? I think you guys analyze it a lot more than, than, than I know I do uh, or, or, or the kids. Uh, I think it's a situation where you have Petty and PJ playing for Team Penny uh, in the summertime. And, uh, you know, they get interviewed after the games. And, you know, they, you ask them, do you like playing with the kids? He said, yeah. Do you want to go to school with them? Yeah. You know, it's one of those things. I, I can see it happen. I don't I don't know from PJ. He's a, he's a great kid. A lot of kids want to play with him. But I don't, you know, we Petty and I know Petty and his family, they have to make the best decision for them. And, and obviously we'll make the best decision for PJ with PJ. So uh, I wouldn't put too much, uh, you know, stock into those are only two schools, and those are that's kind of what they want to do. I wouldn't if it if it works out that way, that's great. But uh, you know, he's also at school now with Gary Trent Jr., so maybe that might be the deal. You know, they go to the same schools. I think they got two or three as well. You know what I'm saying? So I don't I don't put too much stock into in that kind of stuff because I think when you interview a kid right after a game or something like that, naturally they're going to say they want to play with that kid. You know, they enjoy it, especially when you win it. All right, listen, it's great talking to you. Really informative stuff, and uh, best of luck at Finley Prep. And I'm sure I'll see you during this during the season, and we'll talk some more. Sounds good. Appreciate it, man. Really interesting stuff there. I thought Josh from Paul Washington, the new head coach at National Power Finley Prep, uh, basically saying it's possible his son could do a package with John Petty. John Petty starts an official visit to Alabama Thursday, and then I think most people think he's going to go to either Kentucky or Alabama. PJ's list is a little more wide open. He mentioned they're going to take officials to Kentucky, Arizona, Texas, and UNC. So the other thing he threw out was a possible package with Gary Trent. So, you know, I thought it was very informative from him. Yeah. Um, aside from Jaleel Okafor and Tyus Jones, just real quick, name the package deals that have actually panned out in the last few years. Yeah, really, when you think back on that, it really underscores how impressive those two guys were. Their families talked the whole time, Tyus Jones and Jaleel Okafor, the families were constantly in touch, and then they set up their announcements to coincide at the same time on ESPN. And, you know, the rest of these kids talk about it. And, uh, you know, in the end, every kid does what's best for him, and these things rarely happen. Um, all right, let's move on now to the third quarter. We'll talk about the Elite 24 game that happened here in New York on Saturday and some recruiting. Would you like to get us started, Mr. Newman? Yeah, why not? Um, so you were all over the... Elite 24 last week, uh, specifically when they practiced at uh, Gaucho Gym in the Bronx. You spoke to Hamadou Diallo, who told you uh, he could go straight to the NBA in 2017 from Putnam Science Academy, skip college altogether. Uh, for people that may have missed this last week, can you just tell the fine folks out there what's going on? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, um, you know, there is a one and done rule in the NBA and guys have to be 19 years old and a year removed from their graduating class to be eligible for the draft. What happened this year was Thon Maker kind of broke the mold by doing a post-grad year at Orangeville Prep in Canada, and then effectively went straight from prep school to the NBA. And on top of that, he was the number 10 overall pick of the Milwaukee Bucks, Thon Maker was. So Hamadou Diallo, who's a 6'6", you know, bouncy athletic shooting guard from Queens, who's now a Putnam Science Academy in Connecticut, is basically in position to do the same thing. He's going to do a postgraduate year this year. I asked him, you know, it, would he be eligible for the NBA next year? And he said yes, um, but that he's leaning towards going to college. I talked to his high school coach and his AAU coach. They both seem to say he, he wants the college experience. But look, a lot can happen between now and um, the draft next year. I talked to some college coaches who said, hey, 
you know, why, why expose yourself by going to college? Why, why risk it? You know, guys like Thon Maker, Dante Exum, you know, they help their stock by not going to college and, and really just kind of dominating at the high school level or in Exum's level. He was more of a, you know, man of mystery. So it'll be very interesting, I think, to see what Hamadou does. He's obviously being recruited by Kentucky, Duke, Syracuse, UConn. He's probably not physically ready for the NBA, but if somebody tells him he's going to be drafted, he, you know, he might just go for it. Yeah, the man of mystery thing with Exum, that was a great play. I remember a couple years back, that was a great play by his reps. The fact that he was a man a man of mystery and not many people had seen him work out, that actually ended up helping him, uh, helping his draft stock. The situation with Thon Maker was more of, now correct me if I'm wrong, please, there were definitely some concerns over whether or not he would qualify so they skipped college altogether. Yes? Yeah, there were questions about his, his eligibility. There were questions about his age. You know, there were a lot of questions about it. But, um, you know, he ended up going 10th, and, you know, it's, it's so far so good for him. So I think it'll be really fascinating to watch Hamadou here. You know, maybe he waits until the spring to commit, and that will add intrigue to it, right, because people will be like, not only, A, is he going to go to Kentucky or Syracuse or Duke, but, B, is he going to go to college at all and maybe just go to the NBA? Chances are we will be writing about that come springtime. Um, also at – Elite 24, you spoke with uh, Trevon Duval, uh, former St. Benedict's prep kid, former API kid in Dallas. He is now uh, not only working on his college choice, but he's also working on a high school choice. What's the latest from Trevon Duval? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because a year ago, it was the same story with Trevon Duval at this game. He didn't have a high school at that point in 2015, and he was being recruited by college. Here we are a year later. He's supposedly considering three or four high schools. He wouldn't really say where other than it's going to be on the east coast not in delaware so there's been a lot of speculation about philadelphia or baltimore or maybe new jersey um he's obviously the face of the under armor brand at this point you know six three point guard everyone projects him as a future nba guy jamal mashburn and tony delk who coached in the game both told me they were really high on trevon duval and see him as an nba player so you know we're, we're here on august 24th he doesn't have a high school yet so he's going to have to make that decision, I would think, within the next week or so. Yes. Um, he said he wasn't feeling any pressure to do it. And in terms of colleges, you know, I asked about, do you feel pressure to go to an Under Armour college? He's been linked to Maryland and UCLA. He says, no, he doesn't feel any pressure to go to those schools. He wants to get out and visit <clears throat> some West Coast schools like Arizona, Cal, Oregon, as well as Kansas. Um, you know, he's not being recruited by Kentucky or Duke, which is kind of interesting since these other point guards like Quade Green and Trey Young and Tremont Waters are. So, um, you know, and there's a school of thought. Some people think Trevon Duval will never play in college and uh, will go, you know, overseas or, you know, play professionally. He is coming out of API, which didn't get Terrence Ferguson eligible. I asked him if he was concerned about that. He said, no, he's not worried about that affecting his eligibility. But, you know, with the Emmanuel Moutier and Terrence Ferguson both coming out of that school, you know, they don't have a track record of getting guys eligible. So there's a lot of question marks here. He's a, he's a good kid. He's a smart kid. He's very talented. And uh, we'll just kind of have to see how these decisions unfold here in the next few weeks and months. Josh, the other, you know, one of the other interesting angles I thought out of the Elite 24 game was of the 24 kids. Eight of them were from New York and New Jersey. You had some New York guys like, um, you know, Moses Brown and Nick Richards and Hamadou Diallo, Isaiah Washington, the St. Raymond's kid played very well. I think he had 36 in the game. Um, you know, I know you've pointed out that 
not all these kids go to school in New York and New Jersey, but you know, what do you think about a third of the game being local kids? Well, local is kind of a relative term now. I mean, again, you've got Hamadou Diallo going to Putnam Science. you got Nick Richards, who's a New York kid, going to St. Pat's down uh, in North Jersey. But that's a whole other topic. I, you know, the, 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 strength of, um, the strength of New York and New Jersey and the metropolitan area at large, I think it's, um, I think in general, I think it's overblown when people say that New York is down, New Jersey's down, et cetera. You know, every year you've got, you know, X number of kids playing in the Elite 24. You, you know, uh, the EYBL teams um, that are based in New York and New Jersey had big summers. Uh, the PSA Cardinals went to the final of the Peach Jam, lost to Mocan Elite. I, you know, just in general, I think that people saying that this area is down, I think that's overblown. The area is not, is not down. Is it what it was years ago? Maybe not, but to say it's down is a little extreme. It, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the reason they say that is you look at the NBA, there aren't a whole lot of New York City guys, you know, playing at all in the NBA or playing well. Obviously, Kemba Walker, you know, stands out and Lance Stevenson's in the NBA. But, um, you know, the days of Kenny Anderson and Kenny Smith and, um, you know, guys like that are, are long gone. But you're right that every year there do seem to be some really talented guys coming out of New York and New Jersey. Couple guys, you know, Mohamed Bamba from Harlem went on the Nike trip, wasn't in the game. Brandon Randolph from Yonkers, local to New York, wasn't in the game. And, you know, both those guys are really talented. Um, all right, let's move on now to the fourth and final quarter. We'll talk a little Team USA and NBA action. Um, Josh, the Americans, um, led by Kevin Durant, coached by Coach K, and with Carmelo as their sort of mentor, older leader, wins the gold medal in a blowout over Serbia on Sunday. Any surprise at all here, or what's your takeaway from that game? Um, you know, the whole the whole eight-game slate that the national team played down in Rio, it was interesting. You know, they they opened with blowouts over China and Venezuela, and then they, you know, they had a hiccup. They, you know, they they just got by Serbia and they just got by France, and you know, the semifinal against Spain that was a game as you know matchups between us and Spain tend to be. It was a game. Then they go out and blow out Serbia. I mean, no surprise that they won the gold medal. Um, I mean, what are you going to say? You know, they showed up for the gold medal game. They put down, you know, that quintessential, you know, beating that the United States generally gives the rest of the world. And in the end, it might not have been as dominant. It might not have gotten the, um, you know, the number of style points that our national team generally gets. But in the end, it's a gold medal. Isn't that really the bottom line is that they won gold? Yeah, what cracks me up, you know, I know you were with me on Twitter on Sunday. <laughs> you know, all these people talking about fundamentals, and you ha actually have people saying, well, they didn't execute their offense well, or they didn't, other teams had better <laughs> fundamentals than them. You know, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not John Wooden or Coach K, but the object of the game is to score more points than the other team and put the ball in the basket more often than the, on the other team, and they won the final by 30 points. I don't see how you can question their offense or their fundamentals. I mean, you know, to me, that's just a bunch of BS, but people continue to harp on that. The senior national team has not lost a game, any game, Olympics, world championships, um, pre-Olympic tours that they do in the United States. The senior national team has not lost a game in a decade. A yeah. decade. What are people complaining about? I, I really, honestly, truly don't understand what people were complaining about Sunday. I don't. I'm sorry. And that ties into another topic, which we kind of discussed with 
Shaka at the top of the show is this whole AAU basketball thing and <clears throat> how much that ties into USA basketball and, you know, fundamentals. I mean, we still get this storyline that, you know, AAU basketball is flawed and it's responsible for a me first attitude and all this. I mean, first of all, I would say the teams that are successful in AAU, like the, you know, uh, Mocan elite that won the peach jam with Michael Porter and, uh, Trey young, the PSA Cardinals that got to the finals of the peach jam. Those teams are real teams. And yes, they play, you know, quote unquote, AAU basketball, but they're, you know, you have to play well as a team in order to win a tournament like the Peach Jam or get to the finals. So I think those those teams are not given enough credit for their success in the summer. You know, obviously Sports U, uh, the 16 and under team, won an Under Armour championship. And then second of all, look, obviously the best of the best are playing on the on Team USA and on the under 18 and under 17 team. These guys are the best players. But the younger guys also happen to play AAU basketball for most of the summer. So it can't be ruining them completely and being responsible for the decline of all their fundamentals, can it? No, it can't. And I would love I would love to see somebody take on a project, someone with more time than you or I. I would love to see somebody take on a project, just go through all the NBA rosters, pick out all of the, you know, American-born players, guys who came up through the A, you know, through the AAU system, you know, count all the American-born NBA guys that are products of AAU in this country, and I promise you it's going to be a very, very high percentage. And Josh, with the um, you know final topic here wanted to get to is, um, you know, Melo obviously won a gold medal, his third gold medal. Now he comes back to the Knicks, a team that hasn't been to the playoffs in three seasons. Jim Beheim with some very interesting comments yesterday, I thought, up in Syracuse. He was obviously an assistant coach on the team. He said Melo, quote, wants to win, unquote, but is, quote, unlikely to win an NBA title, unquote. Now, on its face, you know, I don't think you can argue with that. I don't think anybody thinks the Knicks are likely to win an NBA title. But for him to say that out loud and, um, you know, I'm sure Melo is going to hear that, you know, you kind of wonder what he thinks. And, you know, does that does that add any fuel to Melo and the Knicks this year? All right. Well, OK, <laughs> you know, I've been reading a lot about this. If anybody would have bothered to read the entire quote, and the entire story that the Post Standard wrote, the quote that is out there, predominantly that he's, you know, that he's not going to win an NBA title. A lot of that's taken out of context. The larger point that Jim Beheim is trying to make is that Carmelo Anthony is leaving a legacy. It might not be a legacy with an NBA title, but he's leaving a big, you know, positive legacy of being a good, uh, excuse me, a great Olympian, having won three gold medals, and he's leaving. You know, whatever legacy he leaves, it might not be with an NBA title, but it's going to be a positive legacy. That's the, you know, the larger point that Jim Beheim is trying to make, you know, a larger point that not many people really bothered to read. Yeah, and he does point out that he thinks Derrick Rose and Joe Kim Noah will make the Knicks better, and it depends on their health. You know, and I think that's all you can hope for as a Knicks fan this season is that the Knicks become relevant and that, you know, they're in the mix for a playoff spot, you know, whether they're going to, take down LeBron and the Cavs and win the East is a whole nother issue. But, you know, if they can make it interesting again, I think people will be, will be happy. All right, Josh, as always, it's been great talking to you. Another great podcast here. Appreciate all you've done. We're done for the day. Remember to check out zagsblog.com for all your recruiting news throughout the summer, full coverage of recruiting and college hoops. Remember to check out all of SMY.TV's original podcasts. Just subscribe to the SMY.TV audio network on iTunes 
or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's the SMY.TV audio network. Please make sure to rate and review the channel. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Zagoria and at Joshua underscore Newman. Thanks for listening and subscribing. We are out. This has been the Four Quarters Podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network.